Is the system broken? If the NC2A is promoting youth sport through college, then they have to be responsible to give us the roadmap if we're just entering the sport. Clearly, that's not going to happen. They say it doesn't fit in their scope, but I think differently. That's a big question, and it's one we're going to ask and hopefully get answers to on today's episode. We're going to talk with legendary NCAA national champion softball coach Sue Inquist about the idea of what's wrong with the NCAA, what's wrong in college recruiting, and also how can parents and college coaches do a better job at guiding athletes through this complicated process of college recruiting. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, Commissioner of the Canadian Backyard Wrestling Federation and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. So that's a big question, isn't it? What is wrong with the process and how do you fix it? It's what coaches have asked uh, in a variety of different ways since I began uh, working with coaches 15 years ago. It's something that I think every coach in their gut knows is happening in their sport and if we call this an industry, in the industry of college athletics, that something is broken, something's not quite right. And what is it? And, And more importantly, how does it get fixed and who fixes it? Well, one coach who has retired but has had a legendary career has thought a lot about those questions and is doing her part to do something about it. And that coach is Sue Inquist. Now, if that name is not familiar to you, then that means you're not a college softball coach because if you are a college softball coach, you know who Sue Inquist is. Uh, Let me just, for the rest of you, update you and and give you her background. She is the 11-time national champion softball coach at UCLA. And uh, her career spans 27 years. Uh, of course, she was a player, longtime coach. She was an administrator. Since stepping away from coaching, she has been tackling this question of how do we improve the athlete experience, both in the process of being an athlete at the college level, but also before that. Not only just in recruiting either, going back to youth sports and being recruited and that whole process. And so, she founded One Softball. You can find their uh, their website at one o n e softball dot com. One softball dot com, and what they have created at, at Coach Inquist's uh, uh, leading is a resource site for coaches, for parents, for athletes that are softball players to try to bring some clarity and some unity to this whole process when you start athletics at a young age and you have the goal of playing in college, there's nobody to guide you. And Coach Inquist, and you're going to hear from her about this uh, on today's episode, feels that that is one of the big missing pieces that breaks the whole process down. Um, and, and so she takes you know, sort of a page from her, uh, from her, her father, who was a chemical engineer, uh, World War II veteran, um, very methodically building out a system for helping these athletes um, maneuver through this system. But the other thing that she really feels 
and where I think she lines up with a lot of coaches that I talk to, is this process that we take athletes through in, in college recruiting is broken. And there is something that needs to be done to fix it. And she has ideas on how to do that. It's a fascinating discussion. And she also goes directly to what college coaches can do in this process to, to not only improve their teams and their programs, but also the way that they recruit athletes and lead them through the process. So uh, she's just a fantastic resource. Many of you who have attended one of our National Collegiate Recruiting Conferences have heard Sue Inquist, or you may have seen her on video if you've ordered the video afterwards. She is always one of the highlight speakers anytime we get the chance to have her at the conference. And I hope that you take the time to listen to her today because she's asking questions and bringing up things that that may not affect your sport now, but they will, and very soon. And she's trying to address them in a proactive, head-on way with softball. Let's see how much of it applies to your sport. And we started off the conversation today by, by asking her a simple question. What is the state of affairs in college athletics as she sees it? The collegiate game is a, an exciting one right now for parents, players, coaches. You've got the quality of competition is phenomenal. We're starting to get television uh, recording and, and viewing more games to the general public. And you have corporate America coming forth and putting in dollars to support collegiate athletics. Those are all the positives. The downside is it's moving so quickly. I believe youth sport in preparing for that experience is being left behind, meaning sport families aren't being given the vetted, verified information, very difficult to find around how your student athlete, son or daughter are going to develop physically, mentally, how they're going to manage today's society, think wellness. What are the efficient paths academically? Who are the trusted voices regarding how to think and speak and act like a champion? So um, it's interesting forces that uh, sometimes are going against each other, but these are all great problems, I think. So the, the, the gap that you just mentioned, Sue, uh, in the knowledge base that the parents have as they see their daughters, in this case for softball, go through the sport, go through the travel ball experience and, and everything. And you could certainly apply that to any other sport, especially any other club sport that, uh, that, you know, that uh, an athlete might be participating in. So that gap that you mentioned, what is the difficulty in closing the gap? And, and I guess I'm going this direction is that um, every year you have new, uh, you have new athletes, new parents, new families entering into this process of, of club sports, high school sports, um, the idea that I might have a daughter or my son that could be good enough to go to college, maybe get some of college or all of college paid for. You have new people entering the system all the time. And so it's not like they've learned any of this. You're starting from scratch with an entire population every year, um, as I see it. So what have you seen as the big challenges in closing that gap? There's really two things. The, the number one most important gap problem is nobody feels like it's their responsibility to fix it. So the NC2A says, I'm not in charge of the rec ball parent. The 
city park and rec says, I'm not in charge of Path to College. And what's worse is when the sport family jumps in at the rec ball level, no one is telling them about the gap. And so what happens is you're only as smart as the rec ball program you jump into and you just pray that there are some trusted voices in there to say, hey, if your kid falls in love with this and they're talented, there's this other group that's chomping at the bit. Uh, it's called club. It's called travel. And it's kind of serious. And here are the pitfalls and here are some standards. None of that's happening. So the gap continues to thrive because no one has taken upon themselves to say, here is your master manual that was built by an agnostic group of right. NC2A all the way down to rec ball. So that's the problem we have. So right now, who is the GAP benefiting? A number of people. The GAP benefits the local travel ball guy or gal that is abusing the system, saying you've got to jump into travel ball right away if you want to pack the college. And the NC2A is guilty of saying, of not providing the objective top 20 things every parent must know before they jump into sport. And I've always been very vocal about if the NC2A is promoting youth sport through college, then they have to be responsible to give us the roadmap if we're just entering the sport. Clearly that's not going to happen. They say it doesn't fit in their scope, but I think differently. And the state of youth sport is not going to get better collectively until the NC2A says, okay, we're jumping in. We're going to go ahead and throw down some standards around youth sport as the NC2A body. Um, boy, I would be one happy person if that started to happen. So as I've, as I've observed some of the same things that you're describing with what uh, the, the comments that you just made, Sue, you have at the high school level the athletic director, the coach, that, you know, if they just want to run a good program, they don't want any complaints, they want to be able to go home at night and take some time off after working, you know, 16 hours teaching and then coaching. Uh, so just don't give me any problems. You have the club coaches, and again, we're not just talking about softball, we can talk about all the other sports, uh, basketball, volleyball, and the rest, who would say, look, I am running a business and I need new um, new customers, new parents, new kids to come in and fund the club. And we certainly are going to do the best job as possible to get them um, you know, to, to do th good things for their future. But at the end of the day, I want all these kids getting to, in whatever way possible, Division One, Division Two programs so it looks good on the website or on, on the brochure we pass out the next year. And you have parents who have the dollar signs in their eyes that says, wow, she's a really good player. Maybe this can be her ticket to college, which, you know, I don't fault them for. That's, there's, you know, they want the best for their daughter. But what I hear you saying is that in all three instances, um, the, some of the motives become a little bit questionable. Is that fair enough to say? Definitely. And... It's almost like you have to speak to each industry. So when you think about high school, the biggest challenge for that AD is to manage all these coaches that jump in and out of the job. You don't become a high school coach because of the money. So you're going to have a high turnover. 
the right. athletic directors are struggling with teaching people just to be great leaders, like learn how to speak to young men and young men, uh, girls and boys in high school. And the travel coach who says, there's some really great travel coaches out there, but unfortunately, when you don't have an industry that is regulated, you're allowed to execute shenanigans. And that's really what right. it is. Because when I speak to travel coaches and they're, they're like, coach, you're so down on travel ball coaches. I go, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm an advocate for transparency and regulation. So if you're going to claim, hey, we're a business, I have no, I am all about capitalism. I mean, I'm, right. I am so supportive of that. But if you want to claim you're like McDonald's, then you're going to have to show that your product has been verified and vetted and reaches a standard. And you have to have transparency. So as far as I know, if you go into a McDonald's, they show the price list up there for what everything costs. But in travel ball, that is the And the great, health department inspection. Right. And in travel ball, there is no matrix on what is the standard pricing. So we have here in Southern California, we have travel ball programs that are charging $10,000, $12,000 a season. And we have other travel ball programs that are charging 1200 And I have no problem with that. Just tell me right. what I'm paying for. Right. So if there's plenty of, of blame to go around, the, the two groups that I would love your, your opinion on is, well, first one, the NCAA. In your opinion, where have they dropped the ball? Where has it gone wrong in the way that they, to the extent that they have let it spin out of control or they share a lion's share of the blame, where did, where did it go wrong? What, what should they have done or what should they do now to fix that? It's not even where they went wrong. They haven't gone anywhere. So when mm -hmm. the NC2A makes it, it's fascinating to think about this. Dan, when the NC2A started to realize in the last few years, we have a mental health issue. We are in a dangerous time regarding the pressure we're putting on these student athletes. It was in a few short years. They flipped it and have created programs, they have a website, nc2a.org forward slash mental health. And now everybody has access to that. And then as a college coach, you can decide how you want to amplify that message. We're in, we're in a red flag regarding youth sport. So why can't we just do nc2a.org forward slash youth sport? Why can't we do that? I want to know why we can't do that because right. we as an industry, oh, we're not, that's not outside our scope. Uh, not so much. We're recruiting those kids in junior high, so it is in our scope. So let's just call it as it's happening. I know it's, you know, it's a little bit controversial. Let's just, can we pull the curtain back and claim it? We are in youth sport. NC2A is in youth sport. So let's step up. We have the money. We have the infrastructure. It's just a matter of saying, is it important enough right now? And I don't know if it ever will be. So that's why I'm trying to just empower the parent to become more educated and help them find those resources. Okay. So the other group that I have, I'm wondering what your opinion is 
your view is on their responsibility is the college coach who's listening to this podcast, whether they're a softball coach or they coach another sport. When it comes to some of the, the problems that you've just outlined and what one softball your organization is trying to is trying to solve uh, on the softball side of things, where what responsibility do you feel college coaches have in this? Either where it went wrong or also what the fix is. And I'm going to claim a bias, right? Because I lived it. So we can't have two levels of expectations that are in conflict. What I would want the college coach to do on every level would be to disseminate it at every recruiting leadership camp environment with what the NC2A would come up with. That would be the responsibility of the college coach. Individually, we're asking the college coach to take this on. Okay, let's see how that works. I'm responsible for winning lots of games or else I get fired. And now you want me to change the fabric of the sport at the same time. I'm all in. I'm all in. As long as you're going to measure that and put that up against my win-loss record in case I'm not a national champion or um, whatever the standards are that you're expecting of me. So where we fall short as administrators, because I've done both, right? I, I learned so much mm-hmm. being an administrator at UCLA. Oh my God, I, I, all, dear coaches, we all need to be administrators first because I was that coach that was the world revolves around me. O-M-G. Did I learn a lot being an administrator? So I have so much empathy for our administrators out there. But if we put together a objective package, think of it almost as a path to college package, that would be half the manual is about general and the other half is about your sport. NC2A partners with every coaches association. Boom, we get this done in two years and we have it forever. We update it every you know, 12 months. And then the parent, who I believe should get this manual at their park and rec meeting. And people are like, no, don't do that. No, we need to get them educated. So when that clandestine group comes in that has bad intentions, that parent can go, ooh, I see red flags here. This person's claiming that he or she can get my daughter or son a scholarship and she's only in fifth grade. But they're claiming they can get that scholarship by junior high. Oh, those are yellow flags. Read that in the manual back in the day. And that manual should include a path to academic success and a path to financial success. And so it's a triage. Why don't we have this manual? Academic, path to college, and financial. And we do it when there's no pressure. And then, just like I say this, this sport experience should be treated like life insurance. And we would never just hand over our couple thousand dollars a year without vetting it. We vet our life insurance, our health insurance, our children's medical insurance. We do so much research, so much homework, so much comparison. And yet on Saturday, we turn our brain off and we throw our kid out there with someone that has never been vetted or verified. So as I hear you lay this out, it almost seems like what you advocate for or what you envision is the NCAA becoming kind of the, the, the overarching body that, that oversees some of these other uh, 
uh, sports, at least to the extent that you would that they would be able to say, okay, this program, this travel ball program, or this coach has gone through certification and they're, you know, to the extent that they could qualify it as this, they're doing it the right way. They, they are NCAA, you know, youth sports approved or whatever the, the classification would be. Is that kind of what you envision or you feel needs to happen to help begin to turn the ship around? Somewhat. You almost okay. went too far. Like if we want to okay. change, if we want to change the trajectory, we have to do it little bit by little bit. So you create this consortium of NC2A, NGB, collegiate leaders. All we're going to do is create a manual that covers academic, athletic, and financial. I'm not talking about a library. I'm not talking about a certification. Right. I'm talking about right. a youth sport clearinghouse. You sign up, you read it, you check the box, sign your name, boom, you've already been cleared. You under, you're responsible now that you understand what those yellow and red flags are. I'm not saying get into coach certification. I'm not saying get into paying money. I'm simply saying no one in this country has stepped up and said, we will bring all forces together to create a simplified way to educate the youth sport family in their path to college, their academic success, and their financial readiness. And I know we want to also talk about, you know, sort of the state of affairs for for softball as well as maybe some other sports in general and also the state of affairs of where parents are in this whole thing, which you've already touched on. Um, but I, I guess the... The thing that that I, I would want your uh, opinion on is as you lay all that out, and there is this this problem that that needs solving. Um, who who is it that digs their heels in the most at the idea of of changing this? At the idea that that some of these proposals, which you know would make sense and certainly altruistically would would check all the boxes of what we should all be doing as coaches who who are you finding resistance from it's interesting the resistance will come from all industries but specifically it's coming from individuals that are benefiting from the broken system so like any broken system you have winners and the people that are consciously keeping parents in the dark there is a group of people that are benefiting so they will subtly dig their heels in and not be transparent or collaborative or be an information sharer to help navigate the family and you know in a perfect world you just teach parents hey, here's the list of 20 questions before you decide to put your kid from local rec ball into travel ball. But right. unfortunately, that becomes very controversial because then you're going to be doing some finger pointing. So what we've done with one softball is, and what I did is when I retired, I said, I am going to go interview lots of sports parents at every level, find out what the pain points are. I got all the pain points and then I said, now I'm going to go to all the trusted people that have been in this sport that uh, we know 
are consistent, that are accurate, that are honest, and are qualified, and have them answer the answer those questions that were asked, those have them provide solutions to those problems, and then put it all on a website and have it be free. And so that's what we're doing with onesoftball.com is just providing a place where we can educate the coach, organize the parent, and inspire the student athlete. And that's a start. It's a start. One yeah. softball wants to say, parents, the minute you go to park and rec, you need to ask all of these questions. I think parents are really smart if you give them the right questions to ask. The problem is no one's telling them to ask these 20 questions or these 40 questions. No one's telling them they need to do that. When we talk about insurance, the parent knows what questions to ask because you're given all these categories. So now the parent has a, a plethora of questions to ask. We're not doing that in sport. They learn, they learn anecdotally. They are only as smart as the family next to them that has a child a year older. So they're all in the, they're, they're many times our park and rec and our, our new travel parents, they're in the world is flat boat. So they're in this boat and they turn to the left. They're like, is the world flat? Yeah, the world's flat. I was told by Jonah. Jonah said the world's flat. Okay, world's flat. But what if I said you're going to get in the world's flat boat, but these are the five questions you need to ask. Who told you the world was flat? And where's the evidence that shows the world is flat? And who says that they're the navigator? And what is their education around stating they're the navigator? Right. Right. Let me ask you too, you mentioned the interviews that you did with parents. Um, can you name off what you would feel you heard as their top three pain points? I think that would be really interesting for coaches, no matter what the sport, that, that are listening to this uh, yes, th to the, know. Yeah. The, for the parent, number one, I do not know how to find trusted resources or individuals that are capable of leading and teaching. Number two... Okay. Number two is I do not I do not understand the path to college. And number three, my daughter is miserable and I don't know how to make her love the sport. So it falls under I I literally don't know who the people are to trust. I am completely disorganized and I don't know how to make the sport fun for my daughter because she's not having fun. Right. And, and I would just jump in and point out, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish your thoughts, Sue. For the coach, it's simply this. I was a dad with a daughter. I raised my hand. I said I would help. I don't know how to lead women. I don't know the technical part of the sport. I played little league and now I'm in over my head and wow, I've learned playing with boys is different than coaching girls. I can't wait till we're all equal so we can say we're different. So for the coach, it had to do with literally technical information and how to communicate to, to young children, specifically in softball, young girls. And then for the player, overwhelming response. I feel too much pressure. It's not funny. My parents are too. And they mask it really well, too, because, of course, they have to or else you as a college coach uh, might think they're weak or at least that's what they think that 
that you're going to think. And so they mask it and put on a good face. And uh, it, it's as you outline this process over the first 20 minutes of our conversation, there's so much posturing going on by everyone um, in this whole process, it seems to me. And, it, and I think also the, the good news is we're pulling the curtain back for the parents. The bad news is, mm -hmm. dear parent, the day you get to drop your kid off and just be free of everything is over. You need to be involved. You need to, yeah. but you, I call it responsibility with discipline. Be responsible about the beginning of the year, what you expect, how they're going to communicate, what are the standards. Be disciplined to get your hands out of a kid's life and let her fall and let her figure it out and let her talk to the coach because that those are the skills that she's going to get really good at and be a great citizen and a great employee down the line. Right. Parents and, and have our, misguided energy, really is what I like to say. It's misguided energy. No, that, that's a great way to put it. And the thing that I was going to jump in and say is you were outlining those, those pain points for parents, and then you just mentioned the big one uh, of pressure for the student-athlete. For the college coach listening to this, um, just a little side teaching note, in recruiting, be that person who is the guide. And I've said for years, that these kids, these families are looking for a guide. Are you going to be the one that is the trusted guide that is going to give them information that in, in some cases may even lead them away from your school? But I wouldn't even think that that's a bad thing because they maybe should have never come to your school if they, if they don't buy into um, your message and what the program is all about, what the school is all about. But they're they're looking for someone to guide them. The parents and the athletes are looking for guidance. They're looking for that trusted resource. They're, uh, they, they don't, and you nailed it, Sue, they don't understand the path to college, and they certainly don't understand the path to playing college softball or volleyball or football or baseball or whatever their sport is. Again, the problem maybe has spun out of control because you have the entities like you know some coaches at the club travel ball level who don't have the best interest of the athlete in mind. It's a business and, and they're stepping up and saying, we know how to do this. We'll lead here, follow us. And maybe that has been some of that source of the problem. But if you're a college coach, coach listening to this, just understand that you, you have the opportunity to be that trusted resource that Sue was just talking about. Um, oh, I, I, I know there's, and, oh, and to the college coach out there, that's there's many coaches out there, early, middle, or late in their career. I I'll, I wish I heard this when I was early in my career. When you're early in your career, there's so much anxiousness about getting the best athlete, and sometimes it doesn't fit. And you will find, as you get deeper in your career, when you can start to put a value in your own personal peace of mind based on what you're doing at your institution, it's gold. You are now insulated from the crazy town. Just already assume we're in crazy town, but not in your bubble. If your bubble is driven by values that you understand how you treat the kids is more important than what they actually do in the long run, and you can tell that story to parents and parents that can see that and you demonstrate that, those are the real connections. If you can learn that right now, especially if you're in the earlier middle part of your career, you're going to get to the peace of mind road so much faster. And at the end of the day, I know I can hear him right now say, 
hey, I've got to win or I'm going to get fired. Right. Yep, you're going to get fired and then you're going to find another job. And at the end of the day, you're going to go, God, I worried so much about things I couldn't control. Uh, so we both sort of dove into this conversation about parents and I made some some points and you've been making great points throughout. And so in the 10 minutes or so that we have left to talk, um, I, I really want to sort of focus in on uh, on the parent part of this, but I want to take it from the coach perspective. Um, I outlined some teaching points for coaches. All this being said, and our audience is college coaches that are listening to this podcast, can you give me your, your top two or three uh, things that you would want to make sure they did with this information uh, and, and what you think they can do better in the way that they operate as, as coaches? It is really fun to talk about this aspect of it because to all the coaches out there, you're, you're measuring yourself based on your win-loss. Your job is, is, is predicated on that. But at the end of the day, everybody has access to, to, in my opinion, what is the real gold, and that's content and education and information. So you may be, you may be the doormat school. You have access to be building great educational bricks to give to parents and for those people listening today these are where the bricks lie number one if you are not updated and relevantly speaking about technology and training think metrics about your sport whether you philosophically want to live those things every day you must speak to them intelligently the second thing is you've got to be able to articulate your individual and your team values, what those look like on a day-to-day -day basis. You have to understand if you're not the tech girl or guy, you better deflect it to your relevant assistant coaches that know how to manage and communicate uh, effectively through digital. That's an important piece is communication. And then last is health and wellness. If you are in a position to be able to educate our youth sport families in camps and lectures and clinics around being comfortable to say, we know that perfectionism can drive performance anxiety and performance anxiety can drive mental um, depression. And to speak to it intelligently gives all potential parents a sigh of relief that you are updated on the research around health and wellness that if our kids are sleeping well and eating well, and we're creating the conditions for them to exhale at practice and also have a outlet in your athletic environment. Don't, you know, I always tell coaches today, don't do this handoff to sports psych and sport med regarding mental health. Be an asset in that triage. So if you're going to the training room, you're going to psych services, you're the third peg of that to say, hey, we need to have wellness Wednesday. What's that? Last 10 minutes. We give the kids the last 10 minutes to go in their circle and share. Someone may be really, really feeling it. And I want all the coaches out there, you're, you're, you're recruiting the top 1% of those high school populations. And depression, this is what depression looks like in 2018. She's the 4.0. She's the most popular kid. She's the do all, do everything. She's engaging. She's magnetic. That is the new vulnerable prospect mm. for mental depression. And we as coaches need to say, it's okay. We're gonna give you the resources and we're gonna treat it as brain health 
and we're going to get you in a position where you learn how to manage this. You can be great when you have depression. You can be great when you have depression and we need to get that out there. We need to get it out of the closet so people are comfortable dealing with it like they're dealing with shin splints. So you laid out, this has been in the last five minutes or so that we have left, um, you know, 30 minutes identifying this, this big problem and the steps that, that your organization, One Softball, has, is taking and is in the process of uh, continually uh, improving the resources that you give out to help solve this problem. And I'm thinking right now of the, uh, the Division II women's basketball coach, the D3 lacrosse coach, um, the NAIA um, assistant football coach who's saying, I agree with everything Sue is saying, but come on, I am just, I am one person at a school, barely have a budget to get the equipment that I need, no extra time, and now what am I supposed to, to do with all this? So I would love for this to end with some practical application that right now you would say, based on your experience as a national champion softball coach and somebody who's now devoted her, her post-coaching career into making this whole process better, if I'm that coach that I just described, Sue, what would your, what would the, the, sort of the three or four starting points that you would recommend, what would those be? For that coach? Uh, first of all, Division Two, Division Three are the heartbeat of sport. They are the smartest, most ethics-driven group and probably uh, outwork so many of us that uh, are in sport. This is what I would do. If you have a staff or one or two, I would delegate the following. I want us to create a one sheet of our trusted resources regarding leadership, individual values, and team values. I want us to create a one sheet on the technical advancements in our sport and a cheat sheet on what these metrics mean in our sport. Number three, here is an objective and vetted path to college one sheet. This isn't coming from us. This is coming from our trusted source. Remember, every school has a trusted source, whether it be within the university, within the NCAA, within you know, NCSA, which is one of the yeah. most trusted, right? So cover the the anchors of where their pain points come from. Leadership, path to college, and technical development. One sheet. So we don't need to solve all the problems. We just want and people say, oh, that's even a lot. Okay, let me go let me down let me downplay it even again. Create three three one sheets of questions that you want to give parents to ask based on technical, based on path to college, based on character. Give them ten questions to ask when it comes to spending money on travel ball, spending money on academics, spending money on leadership. Here are 10 questions to ask before you get your checkbook out. Do the homework for them, but you don't have to go out and get the resources if you don't have time. And then if the one person's out there that says, I don't want to do any of it, then just call me. Call, just write Sue at one softball. I'll give you all our worksheets. Then you don't have to do anything and rip off the one softball and, and put you know, your universe doesn't matter to me. We're not in it for the money. So uh, I've got them covered, right? They can do it themselves. They can do a, a cheat sheet or just contact me, Sue at one softball, O-N-E softball.com. We'll give you the workbook. And uh, at least it could get and, people and it's, started. It's so important that you mention that because, because uh, you know, I don't want non-softball coaches to think you aren't a resource or the organization can't be a resource for them. And you're, you're right, it focuses a lot on 
you know, softball training and the technique and everything, but there's this other, you know, incredibly um, important and amazing resource that is a part of the organization that is exactly what you're describing, that any coach can use and utilize uh, as, as sort of that giveaway to the parent. Yeah, not only the giveaway of the parent, but also your own program. Like I was frustrated. There's so many great resources out there. If you're not involved with what drives winning, that's a great leadership group. But what if the coach says, I don't have that kind of money? So I, what yeah. I've tried to do is create little worksheets and little activities, make it free. So those people that have budget issues, you know, we've got a workbook where you can identify your team values, like literally within an hour and then teach you how to go through those team values because we've identified step-by-step -step processes. Anything we can do for free to get people more involved to be able to be clear in their mission, it's huge because, you know, Dan, you know this, 20 years ago, you would say, hey, work hard. Kids knew what that looked like because it came from their parents. Now you have to say, work hard. This is what it looks like at practice. This is what it looks like at school. This is what it looks like at home. Very specific now, and then they all have to sign off on it because this current generation needs to be involved with the solution. Don't look at that as a negative. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the millennials, but if you don't treat them the way they need to be treated, it can be really contentious. Coach, that's going to wrap up the segment we had with Sue Inquist. Man, what a pleasure to have her on the show and to outline some really high-level ideas and also ask some important questions and hopefully it got you thinking and will maybe alter your approach or give you ideas on how you can set yourself apart from other coaches in this whole process. Uh, if you want to email her, you can email her at sue at onesoftball.com. You can go to the website onesoftball.com, O-N-E-S-O-F-T-B-A-L-L.com fantastic resource you should see everything that they have from from their site that is available not only to softball coaches but to all coaches that you can download as resources give to parents of your recruits and and be that guide be the person that takes uh, takes the extra step and and positions yourself as somebody who's going to be more than just a coach interested in the talents of that athlete and actually be somebody who offers up help and to be a guide for that athlete because more and more we're seeing those are the coaches who end up getting the commitments from the best athletes. So be the guide and do it professionally and ethically. Uh, and hopefully again, the, the ideas that Coach Inquist outlined match up with yours and, and it gives you the ability to, uh, to do some good things in the future for these athletes that you are recruiting. That's going to do it for us today. You can go get more information on what we do at dantutor.com, D-A-N-T-U-D-O-R.com. We have a lot of free resources as well, a lot of, of research and information and articles, 15 years worth actually on our blog. Uh, if you go to the blog section, if you have questions for me, email me, dan at dantutor.com. Happy to answer those. And we really appreciate you listening to the podcast and you're part of this College Recruiting Weekly community that we're developing. Uh, it grows every week and we love it. Conversations are fantastic and we look forward to having you being a part of it and continuing to listen. So that's it for today. Coach, I hope it helps. Have a great week out there. Do fantastic things in recruiting and do it the right way. Be one of the solutions to fix this broken process. Have a good one, coach.